Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. USG, what is going on? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. You know who it is, your host, Noah Weiss. And I'm especially excited for this episode because we're talking about the fall season, football season, one of the best times of the year. I know I'm excited. I was just at the Notre Dame-Ohio State game this past weekend, so if my voice is a little hoarse, I apologize. I was yelling at Notre Dame's really embarrassing defensive line. But anyway... I'm excited for this episode because we're talking about the busyness of the fall season. There are a few seasons in the world of sports that are more challenging, especially for young professionals, than the fall season. And the challenge, more commonly for the Christian in this space, is how do you keep God at the first place in your life amidst this busy season when you're dealing with a class load or you're dealing with a, a full-time role in, in football or college basketball, which is just getting underway this time of year. How do you handle these things and these challenges and still keep God at the forefront of your life? And this is a real challenge. I remember, uh, I think most of you know, I was a manager with, with Butler's men's basketball team and to truly even balance school and social life along with dealing with the busyness of of a basketball season this time of year it really is near impossible. And I can't imagine even bringing your faith into that picture. How do you keep God first? How do you continue to live for Him in everything that you do? And so that's what I want to focus on in this podcast. I want to give five key uh, talking points, uh, uh, thoughts to take away, five key things you can do uh, to really keep God first amidst this busy fall season. So let's dive into number one. The first thing you can do to keep God first amidst the busyness of the fall sports season is to truly believe that God will satisfy you. Let me say that again. The number one thing you can do, the first thing, excuse me, that you can do to keep God first during this busy fall season is believe that God will satisfy you. And I want to read a scripture, Matthew 6. We all know Matthew 6, right? especially verses 25 through 33. This is nothing new. Uh, This is Jesus talking about the key to not having anxiety. Verses 25 through 33, let me read it. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so I read this scripture, right? And as I was studying for this, I'm reading the scripture, and, and I'm understanding the fact that you know, Jesus isn't necessarily saying that you seek God's kingdom first, you're guaranteed to have clothes and food. Because I'll tell you, and a lot of us know, there are many Christians across the world that trust in Jesus, love Jesus, and don't have the necessities that they need, food, clothes, shelter, etc. Right? This world is challenging. This world has, has, has opportunities that are not available for everyone, like food and clothing. That's just a reality that is in our world. So what is Jesus getting at? In this passage, what does he mean in verse 33 when he says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What he's getting at, what Jesus is trying to convey in this message, the cure for anxiety, and really the, the key to keeping God at first amidst a busy season of life like fall sports, is to recognize that his kingdom and his righteousness is what will truly satisfy you in your life. And so many of us, especially those in the sport industry, truly believe that a career in college or professional athletics and being successful in that space is what will ultimately satisfy us in our heart of hearts. And that is not the case. I can tell you that because A, I know from experience, and B, God's word is telling us that right now as we read. Now, let's dig into this deeper. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let's think about that. What does it mean to seek his righteousness? Now, many of you would say, oh, obey his commands, be a good person. Now, come on, y'all. We know, we know as followers of Jesus Christ, we know as those that walk with Jesus, that his righteousness has never been gained or imparted onto us by the good works that we do. Now, that doesn't mean we can't or shouldn't obey. Of course, God calls us to obey out of our love for him, John 15. But in this essence, seeking his righteousness is seeking him. Jesus is using this verse to point it back to him because our righteousness is imparted by the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. That is how we become righteous by putting our faith in him and what he did for us on the cross. And let me tell you, that is going to satisfy you. That is going to take away your anxieties because in the effort of understanding that the kingdom of God, right, eternal life, eternity with God and righteousness, the removal of our sins is found in the person of Jesus Christ alone. You can't find something that rich, that incredible, that eternal, that powerful in a career in the sport industry, right? And so when Jesus says, uh, for the pagans run after all these things in verse 32, what he's saying is 
people of this world, people that don't know the satisfaction that comes from Christ, run after the things of the world like food and clothes or a job in the sport industry. And they believe that will satisfy them. Ladies and gentlemen, that will not satisfy you. I just read an article this week that a Bed Bath & Beyond CFO jumped out of the high-rise he lived in in New York City and killed himself. And that's terrible. I'm not sharing that because it's light news. That is terrible. But that man had it made career-wise. He's the CFO of a Fortune 500 company in New York City living in a high-rise. And he killed himself. Okay, so how do we understand that type of scenario? How do we as, as Westerners wrap our heads around the fact that a career is not going to satisfy us? It's something that is ingrained into us from the, the middle school age that we are to go to college and find a job and be successful and that will satisfy you ultimately. But Jesus, he says something so revolutionary that if we seek first, not a college degree, not an internship, not a networking career fair, but his kingdom and his righteousness, that these things will be added to us as well. I wonder, I wonder if we sought Jesus above all things, if our anxieties would be taken away. If we saw Jesus above all things, would we truly feel satisfied and fulfilled? And in that, the reality of us living in that satisfaction and that anxiety be taking, taken away, are we going to be so much better in our careers because we are already overflowing because of Christ? Can I get an amen, right? How much better will, will we be in every other aspect of life if Christ is our satisfaction? And so, the number or the first thing you can do to keep God first during a busy fall season is to believe that God will satisfy you and to truly to listen to what Jesus says in verse 33 of Matthew 6 to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and those things will be added to you. Okay, number two, number two. And this one's going to challenge all of you. It challenged me as I was writing it down. Okay, God's will must come before your will. Let me say it one more time because that, man, that's, that's bars. God's will must come before your will, okay? I want to read a verse, but we're staying to Matthew, okay? Matthew chapter 25. And man, before I even get into this verse, I want to just take a second and just think about this verse in its entirety because this is Jesus in the garden. This is Jesus before facing the worst or one of the worst ways to die in world history. Okay, and this is what he says. Matthew chapter 25, verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Man, you just think about this verse and, and you really process that the Son of God was wrestling with the immense challenge that he was about to, to go through of death by crucifixion and humiliation. 
and I, I just am, am processing this as how strong do you have to be to still stick to God's plan and God's will amidst that type of excruciating pain and challenge coming your way. And, literally, and I want to just point this out too, that Jesus even, even prays to the Father, hey, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but it's not as I will. No, it's as you will. And as we all know, Jesus went to the cross. God's will was, was accomplished. The mission was accomplished. But how did Jesus live? He didn't live according to his will. I mean, so many of us, and I'm the first one to say it, I live in control of my life more often than I'd like to admit. Even as a believer, I, I still stay in control of my life, and my will comes before God's will. Right? So God's will has to come before our will in everything that we do. Now, I want to say this because I think this is valuable. So many of us see this and, yeah, 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 I got you, Noah. But how do I even know what God's will is? I'm just, I'm just confused by that. I don't even understand. And I guess what the deeper point of what I'm getting at is God's will is revealed to us in the scriptures. God's word gives us God's will even for the, for the small things in our lives, how we use our bodies, how we treat others, how we love others, how we love Him, and ultimately the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations. That's God's will that His kingdom advances, right? But there, there's other commands as well that also accomplish that overarching command. And so, number one takeaway in terms of how do you live with God's will before yours is be submissive. Surrender. Right? I mean, sometimes we just hate that word because you feel like you're laying down and giving up. But in the Christian life, surrender is not giving up. It's giving everything to your creator. It's giving everything to the guide, the one that created your life, that created this planet. He knows better than you, so why would you trust yourself over him? God's will has to come before your will. And secondly, Stay in God's word and be aware of what God's will is in every situation. Be aware of what God's will is by being in his word. And therefore, you can say the same prayer and say, Lord, let this cup pass. But if it doesn't pass, then my will, not yours. And I'll even add on to this. You know, some of you are going through a trying season right now, whether it be you don't love the job you're in. Maybe you're struggling personally with, with mental health or relationship struggles or whatever else you might be dealing with personally, or maybe you're just busy, right? The main topic of this podcast, you're just so busy, man, you're struggling, you're weighed down. And how do you navigate that season? You say, Lord, you're, you're in the midst of this season. Your presence does not leave me. The Bible makes that clear that God's presence does not leave those that have trusted in Christ. He's with you in that season, and so his will is being done. And you say, Father, if, if you can let this cup pass, let it pass. But it's not as I will, it's as you will. You have me here now. Help me to trust you. Okay, and so what Jesus did, and mind you, Jesus is the Son of God. He basically can make anything happen, right? Come on now. But he says, not as I will, but as you will, Father. And he underwent one of the most difficult things that any human being has ever underwent, ever undertaken, taken on the sins of humanity on his own shoulders. 
yet he went through with it. And so I'm, I'm wondering if our situations are not even close to as dire as Jesus's, and, and are we submitting to God's will? And I'm just as guilty. Okay, and so number two way to keep God first in your life during a busy season, especially the fall sports season, is God's will has to come before your will. Okay. Number three, okay, and, and this is this is similar, but we're gonna hit on something a little different, right? And this is this is challenging, but allow God to have first place in your life. Allow God to have first place in your life. All of y'all are on social media. I'm on social media. And I have come across many individuals, including myself in the eighth grade, who put God first in their Instagram bio. Come on, somebody say amen. You know you've seen it. And how many times is that actually the case? I can tell you that my eighth grade self did not have God at the helm of my life. Okay, so we love to say God first, but do we really understand what that means for our lives? And and I want to get a real life biblical example. I want to read John chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. This is John the Baptist, right? This is the focus of the story is John the Baptist and Jesus coming onto the scene, right? If you guys don't know already, John the Baptist was the man in the wilderness who laid the foundation or paved the pathway for the Messiah to come, right? Jesus says there is no greater man born from a woman than John the Baptist, right? Jesus and John the Baptist, homies, okay? Homies. They were tight, okay? And I want to read this because it highlights the humility of John the Baptist and truly what it means to have God first place in your life. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Selim, because there was plenty of water, and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, That man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. So here's the situation, right? John the Baptist and his disciples were baptizing people before Jesus started baptizing people. Okay, he was setting the stage, like we said. And in this part of the text, John the Baptist's disciples are a little mad that Jesus is getting all the credit. They're a little mad that Jesus has the fanfare, okay? And they go to John and say, John, you see that man over there on the other side of the Jordan? You see what he's doing? People are going to him. They aren't coming to you anymore. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And John, man, John, is he's so, he's so much humility. And he even compares this situation to a bride 
belonging to the bridegroom, that this this season that John the Baptist was in did not belong to him. It belonged to, to Jesus and ultimately to God the Father who was going to use the life of Jesus to bring his people to him. And then he closes in verse 30 saying, He must become greater and I must become less. One more time. Verse 30. He, Jesus, must become greater. I, John, must become less. One more time. He, Jesus, must become greater. I, Noah, must become less. Okay, and so how many of us are in a situation, you know, we're working for this team or we're going to be a part of this program or, or we desire to to be D1, Power 5. Man, I want to work for Notre Dame. Notre Dame equipment. Man, I want to work for LSU. Okay, how many of us are saying that? And living in this in this place where we want the attention, where we want the credit, or we want more credit, right? And how many of us, I'm convicted in this, how many of us serve God and love on others to get our own credit? Man, you're so loving, brother. Yeah, I know. Thank you. But what makes you so loving? What makes you an individual who loves others as yourself? It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. And so when this says the, the point, I'm going, you know, to, to bring it back full circle, allow God to have first place in your life. What, what does that really mean? It means that you're his servant. It means that he's number one in this situation. It isn't you, right? And so when... When you're serving him, when you're serving in athletics, when you're successful, when you're obedient, the credit should not come back to you because it's not about you. It's about him because he's the ultimate healer. He's the ultimate restorer. He's the ultimate living water for those that are thirsty, not you. And so how do we live in that space where God is first place in your life? And he becomes greater and you become less. It's practical. It's like what, what this story unpacks. When you're successful, when you're obedient, the glory goes to God, not to you. And that reflects in how you worship. Who do you speak about more, God or yourself? Because humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And that's C.S. Lewis with that bar. Okay? So allow God to have first place in your life okay just as john did he must become greater i must become less okay so far we got believe that god will satisfy you that's one okay two god's will must come before your will and then three we just talked about allow god to have first place in your life okay and this is how you keep god first during the busy fall season okay number four man this one we're gonna take a few minutes on this one okay number four be aware of idols in your life. Be aware of idols in your life. Now, I was reading and studying for this, and I came across something interesting in 1 John 
Okay, one John was written by John the Apostle, not John the Baptist, different people. John the Apostle, who was a disciple of Jesus, also wrote John's Gospel. Okay, he wrote this letter, 1 John. He wrote three of them. Uh, but in this letter, 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, it's the very last verse in this letter. Okay, he had five other chapters where he went, he went off. Man, he was talking about just about everything you could think about from a theology standpoint. But he gets to the end of the letter. Okay, the last thing he says, he, he didn't say, hope y'all have a great weekend. Be safe. Hope y'all enjoyed the week. Peace and grace. Grace and peace. Now, this is what he says to close the letter to this uh, group of people he's writing to. Verse 21, 1 John, or 1 John 5. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Man, that's kind of a weird, a weird closing. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. And why I found this so interesting is because now I'm just really processing, you know, why would John close this letter with this statement? Like, it has to have value, right? It's like, it's like his, his deathbed, the last thing he's going to say type of thing, right? It's the last thing that is in the letter. And I'm processing that. And, and really what I came to the conclusion of is when you have idols in your life, you are ripped away from being able to do the other three things we talked about prior to this. If you have an idol, God won't satisfy you. If you have an idol, God's will is not going to be first in your life. You're going to be doing your will or the will of that idol. And three, God can't have first place when the idol has first place. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. John saw how important it was to keep idols out of your life. And God himself in Exodus 20 verse 3 says to the Israelites, Do not have other gods beside me. I mean, th th this is textbook Christianity, right? Th this is, this is jumpstart to Christianity right here, okay? Do not have idols, but let me tell you, a lot of us have idols in our lives. And, and truly, I'm just being real, you know, he, sometimes you got to take a diagnostic look at your life to understand what those idols might be because they hide right they, they don't always make themselves known make themselves obvious and so you're looking at these verses little children guard yourselves from idols and do not have other gods beside me so idols matter idols matter to god idols are sin against god so how can we do our best job to root them out we won't be perfect right we already talked about god's grace through faith in, in our righteousness being imparted from Jesus. So how do we root out idols in our life? Well, there's there's four questions I want to uh, pose to everyone listening that I think do a great job at diagnosing idols, okay? The first question, what do you need in order for life to be good? This is the first diagnostic question to root out idols in your life. What do you need in order for life to be good? Is it your job and career in the sport industry? What if you got fired? Are you going to be good? You might be sad. I get that. Are you going to be good, though? Are you going to be good? Maybe it's a relationship. 
What if him or her breaks up with you? You gonna be good? You gonna be cool? You gonna be satisfied? You gonna have your will first? Is God gonna have first place? Okay, first question. Second question. What makes life worth living? Whoa. It's a deep one. What makes life worth living? Is it the girlfriend? Is it the boyfriend? Is it the director title in the sport industry? Is it a promotion in the sport industry? Is it power five in the sport industry? What is it? And be honest, right? You know, you know Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but we got to be honest with ourselves when you look at these questions, okay? Number three, when you dream about the future, what do you dream about obtaining? Whoa. When you dream about the future, what do you dream about obtaining? Do you dream about that promotion? Do you dream about that family, that, that life you've, you've always dreamed of living with your significant other, right? What do you dream about? And look, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to make this clear. These things aren't necessarily bad things. It's not bad to want a family. It's not bad to be in a relationship. It's not bad to want to be successful in the sport industry. Man, we encourage that here at USG. You guys know that, okay? But what do you dream about in your future? Is it for God's glory? Is it about God? Is it his kingdom? Are you dreaming about eternity? Right? And then last question. This is number four. I want to underscore this one because it matters. It matters, okay? Where do you go for comfort? Where do you go for comfort? And this one convicts all of us because, man, we even go to the simplest things for comfort, like food, TV shows, sometimes even alcohol or substances. You know, for, for guys, right, pornography, sex, masturbation, right, all these different things that, that we pursue and chase after for comfort. And it's hiding in our lives. And, and the reason these questions matter is because it doesn't just root out idols, it roots out sin that's damaging us spiritually. And it's not allowing us to keep God first in the busy fall season. And so we're anxious and we're stressed and we're, we're, we're mentally unstable and we're depressed and we have, we have struggles, right? And again, nothing wrong with those struggles, right? Mental health matters and those things matter and we're here for you and God's there for you, but... Oftentimes, it's the idols that cause those things in our lives. So we need to, to answer these questions honestly and be real, be authentic, be truthful. Okay, and so be aware of idols in your life. God wants to be first place, not because he's selfish, not because he needs you. God does not need you. I promise. He made you. He doesn't need you. But he knows that he made you for him, to be in relationship with him be in contact with him, to be fulfilled by him, satisfied by him. And so if you're if you're loving an idol above God, you've therefore put yourself in a position to fail and be unsatisfied in, in this life. So God's really caring for you in this command of keep idols away from your life. Okay, 
Number five, the last way that we can keep God first during the busy fall season. Keep your mind set on things of the Spirit. Keep your mind set on things of the Spirit, okay? Now, I want to read a verse. This is Paul the Apostle writing in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. We all know Romans. He says, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on things of the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on things of the Spirit. Now, what do we mean? What does Paul mean when he says, keep your mind set on things of the Spirit? Essentially, what what Paul is saying is keep your mind set on, on heavenly things, on godly things, and get your mind away from the fleshly, worldly, temporary, sinful desires that this world is tempting you with. That's essentially this verse in the, in the contemporary form, right? But what does that even really mean? To keep your mind set on the Spirit. Like, what? What does that mean? How do you do that? How do you practically keep your mind set on the Holy Spirit of God? Okay, we talked about this in the last episode. I'm going to reiterate it because it, it matters that much. And it's the key to keeping your mind set on things of the Spirit. And it's utilizing God's channels of grace. God has given us channels, avenues, pathways to know Him deeper, to know Him more intimately, and to keep our minds set on Him, set on the Spirit, set on the Father, set on the Son, right? And there's three channels of grace. If you want to talk about these or hear about these, excuse me, in more detail, go to our last episode, Healthy Habits. Uh, Mikey and I break down these three channels of grace, but I will break them down in short again Okay, the first is God's voice. Okay, the first channel of grace that God has given us is His voice through the Bible, through the Holy Scriptures, right? God breathed. Okay, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work, okay? Look what Paul says in 2 Timothy. Scripture is inspired by God. Other other translations say breathed out by God, right? The writers of the Bible were speaking on behalf of God. And therefore, when we read our Bibles, when we read our scriptures that we have, we're not just reading a text. We're reading the words of the living God. And so to keep your mind set on things of the Spirit, you have to be hearing from from God consistently by being in His Word. Okay, I I bring this back to the God's will. You know, point number two we talked about earlier. um, How do you know God's will? I mentioned you got to stay in God's Word. And And to know God's will is to set your mind on things of the Spirit, heavenly things, eternal things. Okay? And so we have to utilize God's word in our lives on a consistent basis, on a consistent basis. And that's one of the ways to set your mind on things of the spirit. The second is to utilize God's ear. Okay, God's ear is prayer. The beauty about, about God, and, and, and 1 John talks about this. I mentioned 1 John earlier. 
that God hears prayers from those that are that are in his son Jesus and prayers that align with his will. God listens to those prayers. God hears those prayers. God cares about those prayers. We have God's ear. And, and hold on. We need to pause and really think about this because I think we minimize prayer so much. It's become so ritual and habitual and and religious. I mean, we minimize prayer. When you pray, when you're praying, you are literally talking, having a conversation, and being heard and listened to by the creator of the universe. Everything in the universe, Jupiter, stars, Mars, Earth. You're talking to that God, and so you know, sometimes we, we just, you know, prayer can be like, oh man, prayer, I'm not good at prayer. I don't do prayer because I'm good. I'm good without prayer. Don't need prayer. I got Jesus interceding for me anyway. I'm good. Come on, right? And and, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, condemn anybody, right? I, I also struggle with this reality of, of being consistently in prayer. But man, the power of prayer, the beauty of of prayer and that God actually listens to us when we pray, right? And, and I want to read another verse. This is Matthew 25 again, verse 36. Jesus in the garden once again, he says, uh, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Sit here while I go over there and pray. Now Jesus is... This is the last night of his life. Okay, He's about to endure, as I mentioned earlier, one of the most grueling and horrific ways to die in world history. And what does he do? He, he prays. He's consistent in prayer. In fact, he actually keeps his disciples with him, near him, as he prays. He has accountability. He has fellowship. And he's praying with that group. Okay, so if you want to set your mind on things of the Spirit, so far we've talked about reading God's Word and then it's talking to God in prayer. And lastly, the third channel of grace and the third way to set your mind on things of the Spirit is to be involved in God's body, the local church. Be committed to God's body, the local church. Play a role in God's body, the local church. Acts chapter 2, verses 40, 46 to 47. If you've been a part of USG for, I mean, even, you know, a little bit, you'll know that we love Acts 2, and this is why. It says, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So this is the early church. This is the first church. Okay, Jesus has just ascended to heaven, and he has commissioned his apostles. And this is the early church. We see they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They didn't meet when they could. They didn't meet once in a while. They weren't hanging out when it was convenient. They were devoted to meeting in the temple together. Fellowship, accountability, God's body in action. 
Okay, and, and you see what, what happened. They were joyful. They had sincere hearts. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of people around them. And lastly, the most beautiful picture of this is that devotion to the church. The Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Devotion to God's body is what advances the kingdom of God. God's church, God's body, is plan A for his gospel. Plan A, God's body, the local church. Okay, so we need to take it seriously. And if you're involved in a local church right now, I, I applaud you. Continue with that. If you're not, no condemnation. It's hard. And, and the sport industry is so transient. We could have a whole other podcast on talking about finding a church, and we will. Trust me. Okay, but this is so vital, having brothers and sisters around you to be a part of God's body and to grow with Jesus in that way. So if you want to set your mind on things of the Spirit, if you want to set your mind on those things, God's voice, be in the Word of God daily. God's ear, be in prayer multiple times daily. And God's body, you know, the, the local church, God's body, be involved, be rooted, be committed. Okay? And that will set your mind on things of the Spirit. So, the fall season is busy. Okay? The fall season of, of sports and life, it's so challenging. How do you stay committed to Jesus? How do you have God first place in your life when, when it's so busy? It's a challenge. And we talked about five things. One, believe that God will satisfy you. Two, God's will must come before yours. Three, allow God to have first place in your life. Four, be aware of idols in your life. And five, keep your mind set on things of the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants first place in your life. And it's not because He needs you. It's not because... He's demanding you. It's because he loves you. It's because he loves you more than anything or anyone in this entire world could ever love you. And he wants you to be satisfied. He wants you to be filled. He wants you to be complete. And the only way you can find true satisfaction in this world is through a relationship with God, with his son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price for your sins and for mine on the cross. Okay, so how do you keep God first during the busy fall season? In short, put Him first. Be satisfied by Him. Keep idols out of your life. And keep your mindset on things of the Spirit. We love you. We're praying for you. We'll see you next time. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at UncommonSG. That's UncommonSG.org. Be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern Time, as well as the full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next week.